The makers of epic pure sunflower oil, purine and pret cooking fat, yum yum peanut butter, maple margarine and niblet's cheese twists present the epic casebook. In which Inspector Carr investigates. Good evening. Motor racing is fast becoming one of the major spectator spots in the world. As a young boy, I used to go occasionally to Brooklands to watch Sir Malcolm Campbell, Seagrave, and the various other giants of the period. But in recent years, apart from glancing at newspaper reports of the major events, I cannot class myself as one of those highly informed about the sport. Nevertheless, when I received a call from the Kent County Constabulary informing me that Rick Lester was dead, apparently murdered, and asking for immediate assistance from the yard, I knew who they were talking about. Rick Lester was one of the brightest of that select galaxy of stars, the Grand Prix drivers. And since he had signed a contract with the Turnbull racing team, it appeared to be a combination with world champion written all over it. But let me tell you about it. I've called my story, The Grand Prix is Death. Taking Sergeant Jackson with me, I arranged for a car and left at once for the Grand Prix circuit at Brands Hatch. Well, Jackson, it strikes me that this might be a case where some specialized knowledge may be useful. What do you know about motor racing? Oh, I'm not an expert, sir. For these last few years, since British cars and drives have been showing the foreigners a way around, I've certainly followed it rather more closely. Read one or two magazines which deal with it and that sort of thing. Uh, I suppose they're all at Brands Hatch for the British Grand Prix, hmm? Yeah, that's on Saturday. Just the official practice sessions they're holding today and tomorrow. And Lester was one of the brighter boys, hmm? Still, it's a dangerous sport. If someone told me that he'd been killed in a smash, I wouldn't have been surprised. But murder? Yes, sir. Does seem odd, doesn't it? Mind you, there are a lot of people who have been surprised if we had a smash. One of the safest drivers of the Formula One car had a wonderful record. Oh, here we are. That must be the Turnbull pit over there where the other police cars are parked. They look a bit out of place in these surroundings. Jones, Kent CID. How do you know you? Glad you were able to get here so quickly. This is a wretched business. Someone like Lester, well, it's national news. Our chief constable thought the best thing would be to call him in at once. Oh, tell me about it. Oh, and make it simple, Jones. It's not easy to contemplate with this din going on. Oh, this is nothing, sir. Very few of the cars are out now. You should hear it when they're all out on the circuit. Well, it happened about 2.30. Lester had been out testing the car, and after some 20 laps, he came in got out of the car and picked up a drink from the pit counter and that was that. Looks as though it was cyanide. Cyanide? That's what our doctor says. 
You can still smell it in the paper cup he used. The official report should be through any minute. We had the body taken down to the mortuary, sir. There was no reason to keep it here. But cyanide? Wouldn't Lester have noticed it as he started to drink? Are you sure there isn't a chance of suicide? Well, I suppose at the moment we must consider suicide as a vague possibility, but... Why, sir? Doesn't seem to be any reason. Ah, have to check on that. And as to the smell, it, it seems it was a habit of Lester's to get straight out of a car and grab his fruit juice. It had been waiting for him on the pit counter. I should think he could have swallowed quite a bit before he noticed that anything was wrong. And of course, by then it was too late. Anyway, Inspector, have a look at the setup and talk to Clive Turnbull. He can tell you more about it. The Turnbull pit was a dejected place. Several mechanics were standing in a group, talking in lured voices. Lester's car remained just where he had stopped it at the end of his practice run. And Clive Turnbull was slumped on a small canvas stool with his head in his hands. Leaving Jackson to take statements from the mechanics, I asked Turnbull if there wasn't somewhere a little more private where we could talk. He suggested the circuit manager's office. We won't be disturbed in here, Inspector. Mr. Turnbull, I'm a little out of my depth on the subject of motor racing. Perhaps you could fill in the background as to yourself, your cars, and exactly how Rick Lester fitted in. Yes, of course. I used to be chief designer for the Thompson Group. Mm -hmm. Had a lot of ideas about design which were too way out for mass production. And a few years ago, an uncle died and left me a sizable fortune. So I took a chance to do what I'd always wanted to do, design for myself. Dived right in at the deep end and constructed my first Formula One car. Oh, I was lucky. Some of the ideas really worked. Mind you, that first car was primitive compared to the ones we're racing at the moment. And Rick Lester? Well, there again, I was lucky. At first, I had to take what I could get. Then, last year, I signed Oscar Nevin. Well, he's good, I'll admit that. Drives to win, but temperamentally, he was he was no good for what I wanted. And after what happened at Monza last year, I tore up his contract. Monza? Yes, the Italian Grand Prix. Let himself get caught up on the eve of the race party and turned up at the circuit quite incapable of driving. I had to withdraw the car and pull out a cotton bull story about him being suddenly taken ill. I'd got to know Lester well, and we thought on the same lines about car development and racing. And this year, he refused to re-sign with Tomasini, although he was offered a better contract, and came to me. And you worked well together. Hmm? Wonderfully. That's why we've been having such a successful season. You see, Inspector, a Formula One car is a very sophisticated lady. To get the best out of her, there's got to be a complete understanding between the people who dress her up and, and the person who actually takes her out. And Lester supplied the link... And Nevin didn't, hmm? Yes. That was something Oscar never understood. Didn't help him to like Rick any better, quite apart from blaming him for the Monza fiasco. How's that? Well, Rick took Nevin to the party. What if he did? Rick never intended that Oscar should make a night of it. And what's happened to Nevin since? I don't quite know how he lives. Oh, he gets the odd sports car drive now and then, but... The true story of Monza was pretty well known in our little world, and he's never had another Formula One drive. Just seems to hang around on the fringe. Point of fact, he was in our pit for a few moments this afternoon. You still speak to him? Oh, it's over, it's over. Though at the time I could cheerfully have killed him. And he's just his own worst enemy. Mm. Getting back to today, do you think that there's any chance that it could have been suicide? Oh, 
That's impossible. Oh, apart from getting the best out of his car, Rick hadn't a worry in the world. Uh, you're probably right, but we had to check. There may have been something on his mind that even you didn't know about. Well, if that was so, there are plenty of places on the circuit where he could have just kept his foot down and wiped himself out. That's the way Rick would have done it, doing the thing he loved. Oh, today was quite normal. Stopped the car and went straight for his fruit juice. Oh, thank you, Mr. Turnbull. Oh, there may be some more questions later on, but that's all for now. After Mr. Turnbull had left, I sat thinking over what he had told me. Suicide did seem unlikely, but if not, why murder? And who was responsible? Car speaking. Jones here, Inspector. I've just got the doctor's report. It was cyanide, and there are still traces in the cup he used. I see. Uh, did the doctor say anything else? Uh, he hasn't had time to do a full check, sir, but there doesn't seem to have been anything organically wrong with Lester. Thank you. Uh, what about the cup? It's been checked for prints, smudges mainly, but we'll try to match them with people who are known to have handled it. Good. Uh, let me know if you find anything. Come in. Ah, Jackson, any news? Oh, nothing much, sir. Hundreds of people could have had the chance to doctor that drink. On a day like this, there are no end of unofficial people wandering about in the pits. Mm. Newspaper men trying to get information. People from other teams. The pit marshals walking along in front of the counter. And just ordinary spectators who really have no right to be there. But it is difficult to keep them out. Yes. That doesn't help as much, does it? And there's a... The actual pit crew had been busy. Earlier on, Lester's car had had a bit of trouble with the metering system on the fuel injection. And then, when they'd sorted that out, they were all watching or timing the car. It beat the lab record eight times in the 20 laps. And no one noticed anybody touching the cup? No, sir. Oh, there's not much to go on. I'll go through all the statements later, probably talk to the mechanics. Mr. Turnbull did give me something that might be a lead. See if you can find one of his ex-drivers, Oscar Nevin. He's here somewhere. Nevin? Oh, they had a bust-up last season, didn't they? Yes. But it was Turnbull he fought with. Now, why should he... I don't know, but it might be a lead. Yeah. Right, sir. If he's here, I'll find him. The more I heard about this case, the more difficult it seemed it was going to be. The method had been very clever. Obviously, there were dozens of people who had had the chance to drop the cyanide into the cup with very little chance of being spotted. The cyanide itself might help to simplify things. After all, it isn't the easiest poison to obtain. But I foresaw a vast amount of questioning and checking in front of us. It wasn't long, though, before I was able to start on the process. Jackson soon returned with Oscar Nevin. Uh, sit down, please, Mr. Nevin. It's a very sad affair. Very. But I don't see how I can help, Inspector. Possibly not. But we're going to have to question everyone who was in the Turnbull pit this afternoon. Oh, I was only there for a few moments. I never went near his grapefruit juice. I just looked in to see whether he'd sorted out their fuel problem. You used to drive for Mr. Turnbull, I gather. Yes. And with Rick dead, I probably will again. That car's fast. But you've got to have someone with real ability to handle it. You aren't driving at the moment? I haven't got a regular formula drive. There are a couple of teams nibbling, but we're still working out details of a contract. Mind you, uh, there's plenty of sports car stuff. That keeps me busy. Mm -hmm. Does it pay well? Well enough. 
And I pick up a little extra selling stuff to the papers. They always go for the inside stuff, you know. That's what I was doing this afternoon, nosing around to see if I could pick up a story. Any luck? A few bits and pieces. The boys are more likely to talk in front of me than the regular press. I gather you weren't exactly friendly with Rick Lester. I suppose someone has told you about the Monza incident. At the time, I shot my mouth off and blamed Rick. I suppose in a way, I still do. I'd planned to go to bed early that night. You need all your wits about you on a pig of a circuit like Monza. And it was Rick's suggestion that we went to this party. But looking back on it, it certainly wasn't his fault that I had too much to drink. So you made it up? Never really talked about it, Inspector. You asked me if we were friendly. I don't think I've ever been friendly with another driver. It doesn't pay, you know. Sooner or later, there comes a time when you have to carve them up out on the track, and you can't do that if you feel sentimental about them. In your opinion, was Rick Lester a good driver? Oh, yes, one of the best. But only one of the best. He'd win if everything went right for him. But the real top boy is the one who will battle through to win against the odds. I think he made driving too much of a thing of sticking to a set plan. Like this thing of always having to have a drink the moment he got out of the car. Yes, that too, I suppose. Now, that was more like a signature tune. I suppose we all have something like that. I always stick a couple of cigarettes in the pocket of my overalls. No matches, of course. But if I'm stuck somewhere out on the circuit, there's always someone who'll give me a light. Yes, I see. So you think you might drive again for Turnbull? I might. Obviously, he hasn't asked me yet. But he's got to find someone... And formula drivers don't grow on trees. Well, thank you, Mr. Nevin. Sergeant Jackson will take your address in case there's something else we need to ask you about. Despite his assurance and rather obvious good looks, which I'm sure made him a success with women, there was a slight desperateness about Oscar Nevin, which made me wonder whether things weren't going quite as well as he made out. The local police said they would provide an office for me. But before leaving, I went to have a last look with Jackson at the now deserted pit. What exactly are we looking for, sir? Oh, let's go through this rubbish by the pit counter. See if there's anything that looks out of place. Wouldn't it be better for the local boys to sweep the whole lot up and sort it down to the station? The light's not going to last here much longer. That's a good idea, Jackson. Well, you get that organized while I go through my notes. See you at the station. The office, which the Kent County Constabulary had provided me with, was quite adequate, and in any event, I hoped that my investigations in the Brands Hatch area were not going to take too long. I'd hardly settled in when Sergeant Jackson arrived. A bit cramped, sir. Well, it's not quite like the yard, but it'll do. We've got all the rubbish in the Turnbull pit area. What are you hoping to find, sir? I'd be more than interested in any glass. I'll tell them. And just because we are away, there's no need for them to go to sleep at the yard. There's something which will keep them all busy. Scotland Yard Operations. Car speaking. Oh, hello, sir. How's the motor racing? Noisy. 
I want an all-stations inquiry. Check on all chemists for any unusual sale of cyanide over the last four weeks. Right, O'Shea. Uh, while they're about it, they might as well list all sales of the stuff, whether regular or not, for the period. Right, I've got it, sir. <laughs> That'll keep them on the hop. Yes. <laughs> I don't expect much from it, but it has to be done. No, you never know, sir. I'll go and type out the statements. many investigations of a murder or any other crime, hours are spent sitting at a desk reading and rereading reports and statements, endeavouring to see whether some point has been missed which will provide the vital lead to set us off in the right direction. The following morning, I was doing just this when the phone rang. Car speaking. Uh, Jones, yes, sir. Could you come across to the lab? I think we've found what you're looking for. I'll be right over. We had no luck last night, sir. Nothing in the stuff we brought back from the circuit seemed the least bit out of the ordinary. So at first light this morning, we went back with a suction machine, one of those glorified vacuum cleaners, and lifted the top layer of dirt. Mm-hmm. What'd you find? Just come over here, sir, and look through this microscope. Here we are, sir. Ah, that's more like it. Thin slivers of glass, hmm? What do you make of that curve in the one on the left. Well, sir, I thought it might be part of the end of a small capsule. That's exactly what I think. Have any of these bits been tested? Well, our chemist is working on them now, sir, but the fragments are very small, you know. Excuse me, sir. Oh, that's all right, Bell. Uh, This is Inspector Carr. Oh, good morning, sir. Morning, Bell. Any luck? It's very difficult with such small fragments, sir, especially when they must have had at least 18 hours exposure. Yes, indeed. But I think uh, there is ample proof that they have been in contact with cyanide. Some of the pieces were at last beginning to fall into place. I now knew the probable means whereby the cyanide was introduced into the drink, but I was still as far away as ever from knowing who did it. There seemed to be nothing more I could get from the statements taken the day before, so I decided to go over the story again with the people concerned, starting with Clive Turner. Sorry to have to go over all this again, Mr. Turnbull, but sometimes the memory plays strange tricks. I thought perhaps something new might have come to your mind. Nothing. I've gone over the period again and again in my mind. Naturally, I've pulled the team out of the race. Hmm. They haven't fixed a replacement driver? No, it's not going to be that easy. When I was talking to Oscar Nevin, he hinted you might recall him. That's what he probably hopes. As I explained... Quite apart from what happened in the past, he's not the right driver of my cars. Mm. Uh, Could he be vindictive? Have you ever heard him utter threats? Against Rick? Yes. Oh, no, never. Oh, besides, that's ridiculous. If he wanted to put his knife into anyone, surely it'd have been me. I sacked him. Ah, it's just an idea. Tell me, this drink of Lester's, I gather it was a regular habit. Everyone knew about it, hmm? Yes, I suppose they did. It wasn't really a gimmick, as some people try to make out. Although Rick was beautifully built for a driver, he sweated a great deal in the car and always came in with a thirst. He was just replacing the fluid he lost. Mm. I see from my notes that it was actually Archie Mather who poured it. I think I'd better have a word with him. 
Now look here, Inspector. You've got to get the dirty swine who killed Rake. He was the greatest lad that ever got into a car. Now you can keep your fangios and sterling mosses. Rake could have knocked them all into a cocked hat. Well, I'm sure you're right, Mr. Mayfair, and I promise you I intend to find the culprit. Ah, you do that now. Help you string him up, yes, my Yes, but at the moment, perhaps you could help me find him. Just calm down and go over the facts Aye, once all again. Right, all right. Uh, you've worked for Mr. Turnbull for some years. Aye, I started with him when he set up on his own. As a mechanic? That's right, but now I specialize on suspensions. Mm -hmm. Of course, we can all do any job on the cars, but my special department is on the suspension. Very important department, I gather. Why, it is. Mind you, we had that car handling so well, it was like a train running on rails. See, so there was nothing to upset him yesterday? No, mechanically, as far as my side of it went. Mm -hmm. Mind you, it had been a big of a day in other ways. We were late at the circuit for a start. The transporter had a puncture. Transporter? Ah, it's the big truck that takes the cars. It's fitted out like a workshop inside. It means we can do almost any repairs on the spot. Then, of course, there was the fuel injection trouble. Uh, you were the one who actually poured out the drink for Lester. Aye, I was. And there would have been a fair old row about that if he wasn't dead. Row? Why, what was the matter? It wasn't orange. Rick always wanted pure orange juice. And for some unknown reason, the shop where he always picked it up was out of it. Oh, we were late and there was no time to go anywhere else, so I just had to take the grapefruit. Not that he didn't like that, mind you, but it was always the orange juice he wanted when he got out the car. I see. I suppose you get to know the drivers well. Ah, you get to know their habits. But with Rick, since he joined Turnbull's, it's been just like a happy family. So if he had any worries or troubles, you would have heard about them. Uh, what about women? He wasn't married, I gather. I don't think he had a worry in the world. And he didn't care about girls, at least not seriously. <laughs> he always said that cars were temperamental enough for him. Aye, cars were his only love. Yes, that's the impression I gathered from Mr. Turnbull. Well, thank you, Mr. Mather. Talking to the people most concerned with Rick Lester seemed to have done little except to fill in some detail to the background on this case. And I was wondering what my next step should be when suddenly I remembered something and knew I had the answer. Strange. Is Sergeant Jackson there? Uh, yes, sir. I'll put him on. Yes, sir. Jackson, take every man Jones can spare and find Oscar Nevin. Yeah, man, sir. Pretty sure. Be gentle with him, though. I don't want him in being frightened and doing something silly. Tell him there are a couple of points I want to clear up. Right, sir. Come in. Uh, Mr. Nevin, sir. Oh, come in, Mr. Nevin. Now, look here, Inspector. I really can't see why you've got to drag me down here. I've told you all I know, and I've got a job to do. Yes, that's just the point, Mr. Nevin. I don't think you have told me everything. For a start, where did you get the cyanide? Cyanide? I don't know what you're talking about. Are you seriously suggesting I had something to do with Lester's death? Yes. But this is nonsense. You can't have any proof. I think I have. Oscar Nevin, I'm charging you with the suspicion of murdering Rick Lester, and I must warn you that anything you say may be taken down. Yes, I was sure I had the proof. Did you notice the slip of the tongue which made me so sure? Well, 
It was during my first interview with Neville. I don't see how I can help you, Inspector. No, possibly not, but we're going to have to question everyone who was in Turnbull's pit this afternoon. Well, I was only there for a few moments, and I never went near his grapefruit juice. Well, there you are. Unless he had been very near to that cup of fruit juice, how did he know it was grapefruit? Remember, Archie Mather had told me that Rick Lester always insisted on pure orange juice. Later, Nevin made a full confession. He had obtained the cyanide in Germany some time before, where it was being sold as a souvenir of the type of poison some of the war criminals used on being arrested. He was in serious financial trouble and thought that if he could eliminate Lester, he would go back to Turnbull and once again be on the road to success. Oh, uh, the moral of the story? Well... Ever since Eve, there's always been a risk of poison in the fruit. Good night. The Epic Tastebook was produced by Michael Silver for the makers of Epic Pure Sunflower Oil, Maple Margarine, Yum Yum Peanut Butter, and Niblet Cheese Twists, with Hugh Russ as Inspector Carr. Listen again next Thursday night at 9.30 to another exciting story from our epic casebook.